0: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S code SUPER24.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: Ditch the
0: clowns on the left
2: and the jokers on the right
0: and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle.
2: This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. Quite a split screen yesterday with the
3: current and former presidents both being on the Mexico border differing communities in texas yesterday i want to learn more about this and i wish to do so with kyle clark he's an anchor reporter at nine news that's the nbc news affiliate in denver he hosts next with kyle clark 6 p.m weeknights and nine news at 9 and 10 p.m he also happens to be an fod that would be a friend of dan is it the friendship with dan that causes us to invite an anchor from denver to talk about an issue on the texas mexico border why no it is actually not it is the fact that denver becomes now a city that is the top destination per capita for newly arrived migrants crossing the u.s southern border and traveling north in buses from texas this is kyle clark hey kyle thank you so much for coming back to the program hope you're well good morning
4: michael it's a pleasure
3: So proportionately, Denver has really been impacted by, I'll say, the quote-unquote migration crisis.
5: Absolutely. Uh, Denver has seen more migrants per capita than any other American city, with the exception of some smaller places that are right along the border. And the thought is that's for a couple of reasons. Denver's a welcoming city to people who have crossed the border. Denver's a very cheap bus fare from El Paso, and the governor of Texas, has sent almost 16,000 migrants himself directly from Texas to Denver.
3: Why? Why is he shipping them to Denver and not to Philadelphia?
5: He wants to make a point that he views Denver as a sanctuary city, and it's pretty it. fair to describe Denver that way. Uh, and he, he wants to make a point that the cities in inside the country should share the pain that Texas is feeling.
3: So what happens when they arrive in Denver? Who, who greets them and where do they go?
5: For a long time, the city has had a processing facility that has tried to deal with the newcomers because at one point, buses were just dropping people off all over town in the dead of night. Now there's a central processing facility, and the city's goal used to be to get them into city-run or city-supported shelters. Now the goal is to connect them with nonprofits and private organizations that are handling case management to help people find first food and housing and then ultimately a path to work permits and jobs.
3: And Kyle, who's paying for all this?
5: Denver taxpayers are paying for a significant amount of this, but there is also a very large privately funded effort. The city was facing up to a $180 million budget deficit this year, just for the migrant services effort. Two days ago, the mayor came out and said, due to declining flows of people from the border and some changes in the services we're offering, we're going to cut that by a third and spend no more than $120 million this year. But it still means that Denver City departments are preparing for a 15 percent budget cut.
3: Wow. Um, All told, and I I hope I'm not catching you cold with this, but if if I'm right that Denver has a population of somewhere in the range of 700,000, in the last year or so, how many migrants have come to Denver?
5: Roughly 40,000, and that's to and through Denver. And that's the really difficult thing to get a handle on, even the folks who are close to this and working on it, is how many folks have stayed. We know that a lot of folks have left. We also know that increasing numbers of people coming to Denver are choosing to just pass through the city estimates estimates that right now about 40 to 60% of newly arriving migrants are choosing to pass through. I would mention with the city's help saying, where do you want a bus ticket to because the city's being cranked with people that resources are expended, that the private effort is at its at its breaking point, And that if folks are looking for a wide range of services, they're going to have to go somewhere else to find it.
3: Okay. Wait, you, you anticipated my next question. Like literally, They'll say, "Here's a bus ticket.
5: Yes, that and, and that has taken a number of different forms. At one point, they were doing some organized busing to New York City and to Chicago. But the mayors of both of those cities, got really angry with Denver about that organized effort. So now it's more informal and I get the feeling based on the folks that I've talked to that it's a lot more family by family, which is simply, if you stay in Denver, here's what you can expect to get. There's a time limited shelter stay and only for folks who have an A number, meaning that they're known to uh, the U S government and they're in the asylum process. You have a limited shelter stay limited by days. And then here's what we can help you with beyond that. Or, we can help you with a bus ticket right now. Where would you like to go?
3: And what type of tracking, if any? I mean, it's so, OK, someone crosses the border. Greg Abbott ships them to Denver. Now, Denver says, where do you want to go? And they say, Philadelphia. Am I if I'm that person, if I'm that migrant, am I in the system? Am I expected to, to come back later? And where am I coming back later to?
5: That is a fantastic question. So I, I reference those A numbers. Those are alien numbers. Those are given to people who essentially self-report at the border to say, hi, I'm here. I'm interested in the asylum process. You know, they take your name and some information, they give you a court date that what now is five years out, seven years out. And oh it's God. incumbent upon, upon the newcomer to, upon the migrant to report wherever they are. One of the challenges from the nonprofits that are working with folks here in Denver is to make sure that people know Here's where you have to report. If you originally were going to report at a courthouse in Texas, you now need to get that changed to Denver. If you leave Denver, you need to report somewhere else because as soon as you become in violation of the system, your asylum claim is toast and, and you set yourself up for deportation.
3: Okay, I, I have a colonoscopy in three months. I'm, I can't even keep track of that. How is somebody going to keep track of where they need to be in five years?
5: Well, I would say uh, your situation involves one location, uh, theirs involves a couple of locations, but no, I mean, it's a maddening process, especially for folks who who don't speak or read a lot of English. And yep. that's what we're seeing in terms of the private effort, which is it's requiring a lot of very one to one case management. It's families adopting families in Denver. There are enormous efforts ongoing within neighborhood groups and civic groups to pair willing citizens up with migrant families to walk them through the process. And the first six months are the toughest because those are the months. In which people cannot work legally until they get their work permit.
2: This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. These must have travel shoes have a lighter than air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Coast program. Listen weekdays at 9:00 a.m. EST on Podus Sirius XM Channel 124 and anytime on the Sirius XM app.
3: Kyle Clark is an anchor reporter for 9 News, the NBC News affiliate in Denver. So if Denver has I'll say only 700,000ish And 40,000 have come, and I totally heard you when you said that many passed through. But if I were to come to Denver today and and drive the streets of downtown Denver, am I seeing signs of this situation as you've described it?
5: What you would see is folks on on street corners offering to wash people's windows for a donation. Um, You don't see, at least I have not, and I live and work in the city, I have not seen what I've heard described out of the scenes in New York City back in the 80s where it was, you know, let me wash your windows or I'll snap off your windshields. No, it's people who are given peace signs and heart signs and waving to folks, seeing if they can make a few bucks on a street corner. And a lot of times those are young, able-bodied men who would like to be working somewhere else, but if they don't have a work permit, what employer is gonna risk their business by hiring them? Um, There are some encampments around the city. Denver has broken up a few migrant encampments and gotten people directly into housing. But the other thing that I would just say is, the other enormous story in Denver these days is we got a new mayor last year who came in with a pledge to become the first major city to end chronic homelessness, and they brought a 1,000 people off the streets last year. So if you've been in in Denver within the last five years and you were to come downtown today, honestly, what you would most likely notice is far fewer people living on the streets than a year or two ago.
3: Kyle, what's the political climate like? In other words, has there been blowback? I'm sure there's been some within Denver, politically speaking, or do the citizens largely stand with the, the notion of being hospitable and welcoming and a sanctuary city?
5: People are hospitable and welcoming but the budget cuts haven't hit yet at this point there have been some reductions in uh, rec center hours they're not going to plant as many flowers in the parks this summer but they've done five million of the 120 million dollars in anticipated cuts it'll be interesting to see how hospitable people are once the cuts hit I will say, I I don't think this is unusual for an urban area, but most of the criticism of Denver and Colorado comes from people who don't live in the city. They live in the suburbs. They live in rural areas. They can't imagine this happening in their community. So they're very mad at Denver. Folks in Denver, for the most part, I see them working to solve this crisis. There are concerns about how the money's being spent and whether it's being spent in the best possible way. Then what you see, interestingly, at the state level from our Democratic governor, Jared Polis, is a very hands-off and detached approach in his state of the state address in which he listed the litany of problems facing our state. He never so much as mentioned migrants. Hmm. Uh,
3: the Lake and Riley case is getting a lot of attention and appropriately. So the, the, the tragic, uh, I guess I should say murder uh, of the Georgia coed. Have there been any high profile incidents of crime tied to this issue in Denver? Not that
5: I know of. There Uh are certainly there are certainly cases every year that involve people who have been previously deported or people who do not have legal documentation to be here. There was a case here in Colorado a couple of months ago involving a drunk driver uh, who was here illegally, who killed a mother and a child. That person was not a, a new migrant based on our understanding of the situation. I'm sure at some point, just given the volume of folks here, that there are going to be criminal incidents involving that population. Uh, but it's not something that has become discernible in any way in the city.
3: What am I not asking you that I should be asking you?
5: I, I think the work permit thing is such a big deal because the mayor of Denver and others have gone to the Biden administration and pleaded with them to do whatever is within their unilateral power and has pleaded with Congress to work on this issue because you have the situation where, where folks are coming in, right? And as so long as the, the federal government does not have a functional border policy, and right, everybody agrees it's not functional, you then have you then have inland cities like Denver dealing with a situation where people are in the country, they're in the legal asylum process, whether people like how that works or not, and they just want to work, and the government says, Well, wait six months and apply. And what's going to happen in those six months, right? People are either going to turn to working without legal permission, or they're going to turn to charity provided by private citizens of the government, or they're going to turn to crime. Like what other options do people have to feed themselves and their families? So one thing that Denver has looked at, but then has backed way off on is the idea of employing people through the city itself. That would certainly draw a legal challenge. And I don't think they're going to do it.
3: Kyle, you, Hey, Dan, He's really good. Yeah. Like, he is yeah. really, like, holy smokes. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Why? How we run in the
6: same circles? I don't know. But, yeah, we go way back to our college days together.
3: Part of that Ithaca mob, right?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mafia. The, yes. Yes. The the 1505, as we affectionately call ourselves.
3: Yeah. Kyle, can I say, that was an excellent report. And I, the reason I'm so grateful to you for being here is that I think Sometimes this becomes an issue only concentrated on the border in the eyes of many Americans. And, and, of you know, understandably, we see the footage from from Eagle Pass and it's like all these folks who are, who are pouring in without thinking much about the impact. Seven hundred thousand people in Denver and 40,000 migrants have come there. Math was never my strong suit, but that's a hell of a lot proportionately.
5: It is. You got to remember, though. This is a city that draped a two-story banner off the front of City Hall years ago that said Denver hearts immigrants. And now we're finding out if people are willing to put their money where their mouth is. And I will say to to this point, people have been willing to do so both privately in civic efforts and in taking some pain of cuts. But the budget cuts have just begun here. And let's let's talk again in, in, in six months or so when those budget cuts have set in and see how folks feel.
3: That was an excellent report. I'm really grateful. Kyle Clark, thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure to be here. Kyle Clark is the anchor reporter for Nine News, the NBC News affiliate in Denver. He hosts Next with Kyle Clark, 6 p.m. weeknights and 9 News at 9 and 10 p.m. weeknights. You folks in Denver are awfully lucky to have him. Call me on what we just heard. That was amazing. That was just a, a really it distilled so much, at least for for me, instead of, you know, Biden and Trump and they're they're at the border and they're each making their points like this is the reality of it. And by the way, my own view is that I'm, I'm sure that those 40,000 thousand have come to Denver uh, are hardworking, they're earnest, you know, they, they want better things for their kids and their I get all of that. I, I don't think they're all like the individual who who seemingly murdered the co-ed. That's a part of this conversation. It has to be had. Um, but it can't be. It's, it's not sustainable. It's unsustainable. It's just unsustainable that so many individuals can be coming without an orderly process.
2: This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. Michael Smirconish program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app.
3: Jeff, greetings. You're in Delaware thinking what on the subject of immigration after hearing me chat with Kyle Clark. All right. I'm a physician
7: and I work in um, a uh, an office that deals with a lot of uh, immigrants, people who are working, uh, among other things, in the uh, chicken packing factories and such in this area, And my one uh, request, uh, one thing I haven't heard anybody say, and I realize we need to have better control over there coming into the country because it can't be a, a, a random craziness. But the one thing I request of the people who come here is that they learn English. It is so difficult to care for these people when they cannot speak the language. If they learn English, they will become more integrated in the community. They will be less fearsome to people who are concerned about foreigners, and they will be able to become better taxpayers, which is what we really want them to be ultimately.
3: And you see that in practical terms because it's much harder to treat, diagnose, uh, work with it them. Is, it, is, it, is, it is much more difficult
7: to care for people. I have to go through a telephone translator for many of these patients. I see a lot of Haitians and a lot of Latins. And if they are able to learn and speak English. I can care for them better and they can do all the rest of the things that they need to do to become worthwhile citizens uh, and and productive citizens and integrated into the American dream. I realize we need to limit this. I'm not going to talk about how we limit it. That's a different problem. I'm just asking that we make better effort to have them learn English.
3: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Doc. It's It's a good insight that you have. Chris, Fairfax, Virginia, you most wanted to say
8: what? Yeah, Michael, I just want to say I mean, I think we have a set of asylum guidelines. I just don't understand why the system is not moving faster. I mean, for example, if you're in Honduras and you feel like you're being persecuted by your government, you have a fear for your life, you know, due to your race, religion, nationality, social group, or political opinion, as USA.gov state, maybe you should stop in Guatemala. Wouldn't that be your next safe haven? I mean, these are, it seems like they're economic migrants and I, that should be very, very easy to figure out without this long wait that, you know. Okay, I'm, I'm, sure I'm, mindful,
3: I'm mindful. I'm mindful. I'm mindful of President Obama's line when somebody said, why don't you go have a drink with Mitch McConnell? And he said, "Why don't you go have a drink? Why do I?" Have a drink? I'm like thinking the same thing. No disrespect, or maybe a little disrespect to Guatemala. Why am I going to Guatemala if I can get to the United States and end up
8: in Denver? But the the, the you just made the point, right? That that's not why they're coming. They're not satisfying those asylum guidelines. That's I mean, there's... oh, they're yeah, no. If that's
3: your if that's right? your point, if that is your point, my understanding based on interviews that I've done here is that there's. This cottage industry of of those who will g- grease the, the process for you to get to the border, if not to then get you over the border and school you on what your answers need to be but, to the questions but, but so that they totally manipulate
8: the, it. Yeah. But we're familiar with these governments, right? We're familiar that Honduras is, is the democracy. They. They uh, have an election every four years. Like, where is the political peer persecution, and fear for your life from your government? Alexei Navalny would fall in that category, but even with him, he would have to stop in another country of safe haven before he got to us if, uh,
3: I if, just don't if, your, if your point yeah yeah if your point is that the asylum process is being abused those who have expertise i'm not one of them i think they largely agree with you that that's absolutely they, the case and and by the way that's you know that's what that's what biden is seeking to do through executive action I don't know how he can get it done through executive action because where's the funding going to come from to carry out whatever it is he wants to do? And Trump's response is to say, you know, mass deportations are the answer and you've never seen anything like what I've got planned. Uh, James in Cape Coral, Florida. Hi. What did you most want to say?
9: Yeah. Hey, Michael. Um, I'm just kind of curious why. I mean, it's a horrible situation. The lady getting killed by an immigrant, allegedly. And where's all the outrage from the Republicans, from all the people that are being killed by white men
4: with assault rifles?
3: Yeah, I, I understand your point to say that they're using this. I mean, it's a horrible it's a horrible situation and I'm not minimizing it at all. One is too many. No, when me you either. see what happened to her and you're not either. You work very carefully in how you worded it. The, the outrage is selective is is what I guess we are we are both saying. The outrage is selective. Uh, Jovi in Homer, New York. Greetings. What are you thinking?
5: Hey, Michael, love the show. Um, You know, I will just say, you know, I'm I'm pro-immigrant. I know the vast majority of these people are just coming here to have a better life for them, and God bless them. But my concern is the national debt. We have $34 trillion debt and so my thing is, if we had a thirty-four trillion dollar surplus, bring in the whole world, right? But how are we going to deal with this debt, which is which is never discussed by any of the politicians? And at some point, I'm assuming we're going to have to pay this off, right? I mean, it's just not going to go away. And and you know, when you have people that like the gentleman you had from Denver, when well, they're going to be taking, you know, dropping the the budget from fifteen to twenty percent, that's just taking resources away from American citizens. Oh.
8: Yeah, I, I, I mean
3: Kyle's Kyle's figure was a hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars is what Denver's going to need uh over the span of this year just to, to to pay for everything that's being provided to these individuals. Matt in Arroyo Grande, thinking what today, Matt?
10: Well, first of all, um I thought that was a good interview with the fellow from Denver. Um I I believe that this whole thing has been done deliberately by the Democrat Party, by um a lot of the people who surround President Biden uh, always wanted to do this. And I, I would refer you to comments made by a, a U.S. representative from New York, a woman named DeVette Clark. She's a Democrat, represents Brooklyn. And she straight up said in January, I need more people in my district just for redistricting purposes. And that's a direct quote. I mean, like, she's not even hiding the ball. It's like, right. grandma them um, in. And, you know, we're just dealing with the first order effects right now. Um, The second and third order effects come 5, 10, 15 years down the road. You had the doctor who said, I wish they would learn English. Like, you know, all my my parents and all my aunts and uncles, I'm only second generation American myself. Um, You know, at a certain point, my grandmother forbade the speaking of Polish in the house because she didn't want my mom and her siblings to grow up with accents. And she said, "We're Americans now. You guys learn American, um, but you can't say that now. That you know, on and the far left, that doctor who called you just a little while ago is is a vicious racist who's insensitive and has privilege. You know, everything has been so distorted. You mean the way he the,
3: the way he'd be characterized?
10: He would be characterized yeah, by right. the people on the." on the far left as, as racist and insensitive and, and privileged and, you know, well, well, who are you to tell them? Um, I'm,
3: I'm kind of distracted because when you reference what was going on in, in your family history, I think of my mother and her siblings getting together with her mother They were all Montenegrin, but they would they would say Serbian because nobody knew what it meant to be Montenegrin. Now that's that's all changed. But when they would get together for family gatherings and there were many of them, they would all immediately resort to communicating with one another. Like, like in in some form of dialect that nobody else understood except them, including all the brothers-in-law, because there were eight sisters, and the brothers-in-law would all be like, right? They had no idea what was being said about them. So, but they all learned yeah. English. But my point is, my mother and, of course, all of her kids. Everybody made sure the kids learned English, and they learned English.
10: Right, but you can't do that anymore. Or you can't. Right. You can't advocate for that anymore. And, and I'll. And I'll. I know you have other people stacked up. I really would ask you to take a look at what that representative said because she's not even she's not just saying the quiet part out loud. No, she's no, I will. Quiet I, I will.
3: I will. T- I I totally Thanks. get it. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Chris, Atlanta, Georgia. What's that one thing you wanted to say?
6: Hey, one thing I'll say. First of all, the the, the problem with immigration uh, is not a liberal or conservative issue. It's an American issue. I'm here in Georgia. We have less than five percent of our workforce uh, uh, that are illegal immigrants, so it's a problem that's going to get a lot of votes, going to get people looking at it. But it's not that big of an issue here in Georgia. And last thing I'll say, all these agricultural companies, these these construction companies, these wealthy folks that are making money hand over fist, they're not complaining behind the scenes because they they they're hiring people pennies on the dollar for their workforce. If you want to cut immigration, if you want to limit it, go after the big multi-billion trillion dollar companies that are working in rural Georgia, rural South Carolina, and they have all of these folks coming in, lining up for these jobs that I don't
3: want to do, my kid doesn't want to do, who's going to do it? There you right. go. And, we've, the, and we've had this we've had this debate in the past and people say, well, no, it's that they don't pay. Americans will do that. No, Americans are not doing a lot of these jobs. I thought I'm so glad that I said, thank you, Chris. I'm so glad I said to Kyle, like, what am I missing? And he said the work permit issue, because there's this there's this purgatory that has resulted where you've got migrants who, who are here. OK, you know, we we wish we didn't have this. This disorderly process, these porous borders that allowed 40,000 to get to Denver in the last year. Are you going to just ship them out as Trump is talking about? I seriously doubt it. And they're not going to do that in Colorado. But OK, they're here. Now, are you going to let them work? Because I'm sure you've got any number of businesses. I hear it Constantly in my orbit from people who earn businesses, who own businesses, and, and are, are dependent upon a workforce of I won't say menial labor, but but lower on the income level jobs, they can't keep them can't keep them filled, cannot keep the jobs filled. They're they're dying to hire people, but they want to play by the rules. It's complicated. It is complicated uh where's melissa melissa is in portland maine greetings melissa what did you want to say
11: hi yes hi. hi i had two things first i had a question about uh if you have ever discussed how we got here and if not if that would be something you would consider doing i'd be very do you mean do you mean
3: on the on the immigration the do you mean on the immigration exactly. issue yes yes there, there's something that you obviously want to say about that give me the short version
11: Oh, no, that was just a question. My point oh, is oh, that okay. him, here, here in Maine um, and many other places, I'm sure, we very much need the workforce.
3: Um, you're fading on me, but you're saying we need the workers in Maine. We need the workers in Pennsylvania. We need, them in, we need them in Colorado.
11: And for people who have been in Maine for many generations. And when you set up that conflict within our communities, where by providing for the immigrants that are arriving in our communities, who we do need, but by providing for them, creating shelters, building shelters for them, etc., we are taking because there's only so much money. As the gentleman from Denver pointed out, right. something has to give. And so it creates this. this
3: well, it creates that, it creates a hundred. bread. It creates a $100 million hole in Denver alone. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate, and I like your idea. You know, how did we get here? Mike, you're in Tucson. What did you want to say?
4: Hey, Michael, it's it's a work permit issue. End of statement. These These people are not illegal immigrants, as Kyle Clark alluded to. And by the way, Kyle Clark is beyond exceptional. I moved from Denver to Tucson, totally calculated three years ago, so two very successful restaurant brands that I had for 26 years. Without immigrants, I would have been six feet under at 08, 09 when 09 that the economy tanked. They are undocumented. Get them the documents. Get them in the workforce. And please remember, all of their Social Security taxes are to being taken out of their paychecks. They have no access to. It goes into the Social Security fund that they cannot access because they have no social security number full stop work permits get a fair going on get people working and get the employers there it it is it's not that difficult folks okay look at look at you bringing
3: bringing a combination of facts and knowledge to this conversation appreciate that very much this is jim he's in louisville hi jim Yeah,
9: here's a strange situation. We got a Louisville UPS hub opening up, and in their big promo uh, news release, they're bragging about their AI and how automated it is. And then they say 80% of our new hires only speak Spanish. That, I mean, I can't put those two things together AI and only speak Spanish. What are the odds? that some of those people are not completely documented.
3: I don't understand the, the point. I'm, I'm sure it, it's just lost on me, but you're saying what? If they're if they're sophisticated to be able to work in an AI field, surely they're bilingual?
9: No, they don't have to be bilingual in an AI environment because it's all automated. But the fact that 80% of them only speak Spanish, what are the oh. odds that all of their job applicants, there must be another reason, like pay, benefits, union, what?
3: I understand now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much.
2: Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.
0: Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east, or anytime on the SXM app.
2: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.
0: Michael Smirconish, for Independent Minds. Spring? That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S code SUPER24.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or.